Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to a new class series for the Thames Valley Churches of Christ, a five-part series called Five Ways the Holy Spirit Unites Disciples of Christ. Five Ways the Holy Spirit Unites Disciples of Christ. So, as we think about coming out of lockdown and we're beginning to meet together in our homes and in venues for church services and various other things, what have we lost? What have we lost more than anything else? We gained a lot of things, even using Zoom. There are a lot of very positive things. But what did we lose or what did we lose the most? And I think the consensus is that we lost some of the depth of our relationships. We lost some of that sense of corporate unity, that sense of being one body. And I don't think that's anybody's fault. It's just a reality of meeting on Zoom and not being able to meet up and do things together. So what, what's the most useful thing we can do What's the most fundamental thing that will help us to, to rebuild that sense of unity and oneness and to have those heartfelt, heart-to-heart, deep-bonded relationships? What's it, what will be the fundamental thing? And I, there are many things that can help us, um, loving one another and being uh, uh, showing love in, in the way we, we talk and the way we uh, act towards one another, uh, shared experiences, help, uh, openness and honesty, praying together. There are lots of things that help. But what's fundamental, what's underneath all of that, what makes any of that actually work? And I would say it's this. It's the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who ultimately and fundamentally is, is, it is He who unites disciples of Christ in love. And so we're going to be looking at this over the next five classes. And I should tell you that much of this is inspired by an article I read recently in a magazine, which I'll show you here if you're watching the video. Uh, the Telios uh, magazine produced uh, by the Telios Society that I am a member of and a subscriber to the magazine. And I'd encourage any of you that are interested in uh, deeper theological, spiritual, scriptural writings and art to subscribe and look it up online. You'll find it. Or if you can't, uh, then do let me know. Uh, this particular edition has a book review by our good friend, uh, Dr. Andy Boachi as well. But there's an article in here by a chap called John Mark Hicks, and it's called Recentering. And I, I'm going to take uh, a section from his article as the basis of these classes where he's describing um, issues of the spirit and how the spirit unites us as a body in Christ. So who unites us? Who unites us visibly, experientially as brothers and sisters in Christ? It is the spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Spirit has unity. Keep it through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So that's what we're talking about today. Let me read for you from a, par a paragraph from the article by, uh, by Hicks. It comes from page 67 of the, uh, of the journal. He talks about offering five modes of visible unity that give expression to the underlying unity of the Spirit among believers. These five practices not only exhibit the unity of the Spirit, but are also means by which the Spirit dynamically works among believers 
for unity. The Spirit acts through them to manifest the unity that the Spirit has already achieved. The Spirit is already unified. He's drawing us into that ever more perfected unity for each other. At the same time, these practices are also transformative as they move us not only into a deeper experience of that unity, but also function to transform us as exhibits of that unity. So showing the world what true unity is, is what the Spirit does amongst us to show the world, as well as we also experience that unity more deeply, more uh, fundamentally in the way that the Father, the Son and the Spirit experience their unity. So there are five things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. One is confession. Second is transformation. The third is liturgy. The fourth is practicing the kingdom of God. And the fifth is spiritual formation practices. So that's where we're going over the next a few weeks and I hope you'll join me on this journey of understanding how the Spirit is the one that creates, maintains and gives us that experience of the precious unity that a Christian community has that the world doesn't know really anything about. Now today's class, today's focus is this. The main point for today is this. The Spirit unites us by our mutual confession that Jesus is Lord. The Spirit unites us by our mutual confession that Jesus is Lord. So let me explain that. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, we find a really interesting statement in a wonderful chapter about uh, unity and about the body and about the church and about what God is doing amongst us and how we're all very valuable and needed and, and need one another. But right at the beginning of the chapter, we see this in verse 3. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. He says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, or Jesus anathema. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So what is he thinking about here? He's not just thinking about the words that are said. He's thinking about a transformational moment. He's thinking back, isn't he, to something that you and I did and all of our brothers and sisters over Christian history have all done. Something we did in our hearts and something we did with our mouths, referring to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's what he's thinking about, I believe, here. It is the Spirit that enables us to say, Jesus is Lord. Hicks puts it this way in his article. This declaration, this Jesus is Lord, is an, an orienting and entering confession orienting and entering. So when someone says Jesus is Lord, it's because they've repented, right? They're repenting and they're reorienting themselves completely from one direction to another. You remember that experience when you repented and you just turned. Your old way of thinking was done with and you were going to start a whole new way of thinking and living. So that Jesus is Lord, not, not I'm Lord anymore or anything else is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It orients us. It points us in a completely different direction. And it's also an entering confession, because what we're saying there is, uh, I'm entering into whatever that means. 
whatever it means for Jesus to be Lord for me, I'm entering into that. I'm going to let him take me into that new life. I'm going to let him take me into the kingdom, take me into his family. I'm going to be adopted. So we're orienting ourselves and we are entering something by saying Jesus is Lord. And it is the Spirit that enables us to say that. We do that by the Spirit. So we said those words and we meant it as, a, as like a seal on our repentance and a precursor to baptism, which I'm sure happened uh, to you. And this is like, it's like covenantal language, like making a covenant. It's fundamentally changing our status with God. We were not a people of God. Now we are a people of God. It's that kind of idea. And it is this spirit enabling us to say Jesus is Lord that changes everything. Yes, the waters of baptism. Absolutely. That's when we get the gift of the spirit. That's when we get forgiveness of sins. But there's something about that, that phrase, not the words themselves, but that shift of thinking that changes our status. In Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14, which is my all-time favorite passage about the Holy Spirit, I have to say, and I like to get it into every class on the Holy Spirit if I possibly can, and it is relevant here today. But Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You've been sealed with the Spirit. You have a, is it, you, the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. This is the fundamental change that's taken place in you and I because the Spirit enabled us, enabled us to say, Jesus is Lord. I like the way that Paul uses the image of dining together later on in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 13, he says this, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. This is a hospitality image. We are dining uh, on the Spirit, um, in the presence of God. This is a, a glorious privilege to be able to enjoy this hospitality. And this it is that unites us as one body. How do we get united? We begin at least by appreciating the fact that the Spirit is in each one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. So you and me and all those in your family group and my family group or your small group, your location, whatever your group is, are unified by the Spirit because we've all been baptized by him and we've all drunk of him. He has offered us hospitality. And this unity we share is a reality, not just because we said some words or because the Spirit came to us uh, in our baptism into Christ, but the unity is a reality because the Spirit is present now. The Spirit is present in you. The Spirit is present in me and everybody, member of your group. The Spirit is present in your gatherings. Uh, he's with you individually, but he's also there uh, with you in your gatherings. And not because we said some words a few years ago. Uh, that's not why we have this unity. It's because the Spirit is present now. We have new life because of the Spirit. And and we live the confession that Jesus is Lord day by day because of the Spirit, because the Spirit provides us with uh, the life, the strength and the power to live the life of a disciple.
I was talking to my friend Charles recently, a member of the Watford Church. And in fact, we've had this conversation a few times about repentance. What is repentance and how does it work? And he said that he felt that when he repented, God did something miraculous in him. In other words, it wasn't his only his own agency that enabled change. It wasn't just that he changed his mind, but it was that God came in at that point and did something to rewire his brain. He said, my, the difference between my previous life and my current life are so astonishingly different. I can't imagine that just a change of mind could have enabled that. And I think that's the Spirit's work, isn't it? The Spirit at work in us changes fundamentally our way of thinking, our way of being, our way of acting. There's something very deep going on. And we share a bond in Christ, a unity in our groups, because we've all drunk of that Spirit, that change that God has done something astonishing in us. So as you talk to your brother or sister in Christ, you're talking to somebody who's been fundamentally, miraculously changed by the Spirit, who has enabled them to not only say the words, Jesus is Lord, but to empower them to live out that declaration. And this is not just individual, this is corporate. This is the body. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians to a church, not to individuals. And of course, the Corinthian church, as you may know, was a church riven with division. And what did Paul focus on to help them to get united again and to really deep, deeply love one another as he goes on to talk about in 1 Corinthians 13 just after this chapter he's reminding them what their unity is based on or rather on whom it is based it's based on the Holy Spirit see our relationship with God is never just Jesus and me it's Jesus and us me me us Jesus and the Holy Spirit enables this unity so what does all this mean for our congregational communities? Well, let me make some suggestions and then you've got some time to discuss these things. Firstly, when I'm with my brother or sister in Christ, I'm with somebody, this is helpful for me to remember, I am with somebody who shares the most fundamental bond possible, and that is fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Much more fundamental than anything else in my identity, my background, my circumstances, my context, this is what bonds us together. Secondly, if this person, this brother or sister I'm with in my family group, has been enabled by the Spirit to say, Jesus is Lord, then my default attitude to that person must be to love them, to trust them, to give them the benefit of the doubt when they uh, aren't acting in a way I might think right, or when we're having a difficulty in a conflict. And my default attitude must be, let me give them the benefit of the doubt because they said Jesus is Lord by the power of the Spirit. In our relationships, thirdly, we love, we trust and we forgive one another, not because the other person's performing right. I'll love you as long as you are behaving the way I think you should. No. Or not also that we, we forgive them or love them or trust them because somehow we will earn God's approval. It's like, look at me, God. I'm loving that really difficult Christian. Look at me. I oh, you know I'm being Christ-like here. That, that, that self-righteousness won't wash with God, will it? We don't love and trust and forgive each other for those reasons. We do it because we take delight in working within the presence of God, in accord with his heart, with his will, and because our happy obedience to God's desires to love, to trust, to forgive, will find its home in the heart of our fellow disciple who has the Spirit in them. Romans 8 verse 9. 
Spirit of Christ is in them and in you. And therefore, as we treat them in a spirit-filled way, surely that will find a home in their heart and then we will become even more united than we were before. See, can you imagine a, a wedding where one, the bride or the, or the groom, one of them says, yes, I promise to love you, I vow, and they make all their vows. And the other one says, well, that was really nice. I'm glad you're going to do that for me, but uh, I'll think about it. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll, I'll love you a bit. I'll, I'll do my, I'll do my best, you know. Uh, that wedding's not, not going to be a nice wedding and that marriage is probably not going to last. This, it only works because both make a, a covenantal promise. There's hope for that marriage, not because they are good people or good enough for each other, which is never the case anyway. A marriage has hope for the future, even with all the years and decades and trials it, it may go through. It has hope not because these people are good enough for each other, but because they have covenanted their love to each other. And we have an even stronger bond because by the power of the Spirit, we said, Jesus is Lord. You and, and me and all the people in your, in your location, in your group, that's what they said. That's what they meant. That's how they changed. That's how God came to bring them into his kingdom. We have that covenanted uh, loyalty to God together. And therefore, we get through our difficulties. Therefore, we get deeper. Therefore, we get more honest and open. There we get then. Therefore, we get to trust one another more. Therefore, we get to love one another when it's hard to love one another. And therefore, we forgive one another and bear with, with one another and all the grievances that can come up because we have this bond of unity of the Spirit. Because we said by the Spirit, Jesus is Lord. Our Christian communities have hope for ever deepening love, not because we're in the same church, believe the same beliefs, share the same values, but, but because we, by the Spirit, have been enabled to say, Jesus is Lord. Therefore, I would say this, to reject a brother or sister in Christ is to reject the Spirit of God. So let us never do that. So let me wrap up with some questions. So these are some questions you could discuss in your group. Uh, you can discuss other things too. But a couple of suggestions. Firstly, in what way does it help your unity with your fellow believers to know that you have both and all in your group confessed that Jesus is Lord by the Spirit? How does that help the unity you have with the people in your group? Secondly, what does it mean to you to drink the Spirit, as he says here in 1 Corinthians 12? What does it mean to drink of the Spirit? And thirdly, how can this understanding of the Spirit, what we've talked about today, bring uh, about the Spirit bringing unity, help you to grow deeper in your love for the other members of your group? What, what might this thought do to help you to grow in deeper love for one another in your group? What do you think? So to wrap up, unity is not about what we believe in, technically, intellectually. Unity is relational. And the Spirit is relational. And the Spirit unites us by our mutual confession that Jesus is Lord. Next time, we'll talk about transformation, the way that the Spirit unites us and unifies us in our transformation into Christ-likeness. As we grow in Christ-likeness, it, it unifies us as a body. We'll talk about that next time. If you have any comments or questions on today's class or things you'd like me to teach on as I talk about the unity given us by the Spirit, then do let me know. And, uh, and uh, you can leave a comment anywhere you hear or see this recording. You can email me, malcolm at malcolmcox.org. 
Uh, you can also leave a comment on my website, malcolmcox.org. And I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope this is helpful. Uh, let's remember that we have this tremendous unity in the Spirit, because the Spirit is what helps us to say, Jesus is Lord. Till the next class, take care and God bless.